0: In the fall each year we all congregate, the found all gathered at the church of getting The scriptures reading from the book of Munson, our favorite verse, my God of praise. Drunk and obnoxious, notches well, Georgia faith, ain't enough to find her in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends, it's Saturday and that thing.
1: Welcome to the Saturday Nations podcast where a Georgia Bulldog show I'm your host Seth Saunders joined as always by my co host James Kim brother what a day yesterday I mean if you and I had sat down and drawn up how it could go where it would work out perfectly for Georgia. That script would have been about as close, maybe minus the Dejon fumble to open the game. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, it was pretty much right on schedule, homie. It was electric and outstanding. And good on Dog Nation for answering the Kirby Smart bell and absolutely blowing up that stadium yesterday.
0: That atmosphere was incredible. So well done. From start to finish, from the opening whistle to the final whistle, Dog Nation showed up. And they showed America, best fan base in the country right there. You know, from 330 till 715. Absolutely amazing. And we are the best team in the country. There is not one that is close. We have now played two top five offenses and held them to 13 and three points, respectively. So I don't hear anything else about it. It is Georgia. And then there is a gap with everyone else. It is not close anymore. So, we'll obviously talk a lot about the game, but I want
1: to talk to you a little bit about the scene and everything leading into the game. Game day was in town, SEC Nation was in town. I thought it was one of the more entertaining game days of the year. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic yesterday. I thought McAfee opening the show by calling the dogs in that Western PA accent was <laughs> pretty outstanding. Um, even though we would have liked him to said, what's that coming down the track? Instead of who's that coming down the track? But look, I'm not going to split hairs here. It was still great. And, you know, the show was going good and Kirby came on. I thought he said some cool things. You know, he said, we're going to hunt with a purpose, which I thought was a great way to start the day and kind of give a tagline for the day. And then they get to the picking portion at the end of the show. And all three of the main hosts pick Tennessee to win. So, Dez, Pat, and Herbie all take Tennessee to win. And that seemed to follow the theme of the week for me, whether it was the article being released where they had interviewed coaches throughout the SEC and opposing coaches, and one of the coaches said, "I I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee hangs 50 on Georgia on Saturday. Some other coach said, Their secondary is just average, and the Keeley-Ringo kid is ordinary. Just a lot of shade, essentially, all week, and it seemed to be gobbled up by the national correspondents, the national media. We were getting fed this line that Tennessee was the 2022-2019 LSU, which, (laughs) whatever, Um, just a lot of A lot of talk, essentially, and a lot of talk from Vol Twitter, which I know you saw, which I saw. It was obnoxious. It was loud. And they were awful quiet after the game yesterday and then have kind of restarted their engine today with nonsense that things would be different on a neutral field and blah, 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 blah. And we'll have a conversation about CFP implications as well. But anyways, I set all that up just to kind of say I had peace because of two things. One, and you had told me this, is that all the public money was on Tennessee at what we felt like looked like a big number and Vegas did not really move the line, but like, what, a half point? Yeah. So that was telling and kind of made me feel like, okay, that, that makes me feel good because it's Vegas. They got the big buildings for a reason, as we say a lot. So that was good. But then also, I don't know if I saw it Thursday night or Friday morning, but the video released of Kirby at practice, not actually of him, but the sound of him. The, vo- the, the audio the audio of him from outside of practice. And when I heard that audio, I felt like Jimmy Dugan in a leg of their own talking to Stillwell Angel. I was just like, we're going to win. We're going to (laughs) win. I just felt so good about it because he was so locked in and you could just tell that. I don't know, man, I just knew they were not going to miss a step. And then what did I text you on Tuesday when the CFP rankings came out?
0: best position could have been him.
1: Yeah, I was like, I am so happy right now. And, look, I know they say they don't think about all that stuff. They don't see all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. If you're telling me that that defense didn't read all this crap about Tennessee hanging half a hundred on them or everybody and their mama talking about Tennessee being number one, I just – you'll never – I would never believe that, ever. I know that they were consuming that and stewing on that, and, boy, did they come out, like, on fire. Like, did you feel like when they came out, I mean, I just felt like they were locked in, even from the the jump with the way that hole opened the first time. Like, I just felt like it was a one, baby.
0: Well, the talk all week was the, the disparity. Both offenses, very highly ranked. But their offense was going to expose our defense. But the, the big disparity was Georgia's – offense was highly ranked and Tennessee's defense was is was putrid but Tennessee's run defense was highly ranked and we weren't gonna be able to run the ball on them first play of the game Kenny runs for I think eight yards but but the hole was huge huge. I mean and right there it was like all right we're gonna be fine running the ball against this team and then the play your boy I texted you this you know as soon as Arian caught that bomb but also, when Stet released that ball, he threw it leaning back. And I was like, yeah. Stet's locked in. He, the confidence right there, like he's, yep. he's good. So everything with that yeah, right so, there, I was like, no matter what, we're not losing this game. Yeah, I just
1: thought they came out and they were blowing Tennessee off the ball. And I kind of thought, oh, this is going to be a little bit different. Because if we're able to kind of – manhandle them at the point of attack all day, uh, we're going to be fine. And I did think it was really big after the fumble that they held and they just get the field goal. And it wasn't like it was a chip shot. What was it, 47, 48 yards or something? Yeah. So it, it was a nice stop and kind of a flag in the ground that, hey, this ain't everybody else y'all done played. Like, we're real. Be ready for it. And I also thought it kind of put Tennessee on their heels offensively because. They were getting enough pressure on hooker early where didn't you feel like he was kind of throwing off his back foot all day. I just never felt like he was comfortable.
0: And if he wasn't throwing off his back foot, he was scrambling. So, you know, he was, he had to scramble because there was, I mean, we did get six sacks, but the majority of them weren't because of immediate pressure. Most of them were coverage sacks and I said it in our preview show you know, we talked about what was going to be the difference of the game, and I hated to, hated to put it on one player, but I said that, my, in my opinion, this game was going to come down to how Keeley played. And he played, in yep. my opinion, the best game of his Georgia career by far. He did. Take, forget the pick. That was a great – I mean, it looked like the pass was going to him in that play. He just was in perfect position, but he played his ass off. Even the penalty he had was a complete BS call. Like, he was in perfect position. He got there right as the ball was there. That's a BS call. But he played his ass off. He had – amazing game yeah so for me and it really
1: I don't think it's been talked about a lot but I I thought the interception was the play of the game and I'll tell you why because at that point it was 21-6 they are trying to drive before halftime and do the double dip right they're trying to score the touchdown before the half to make it 21-13 then they get the rock back to start the second half that's a huge twist in the game right there so instead they get a turnover get the crowd back into things, take the air out of Tennessee. I think keep getting into Hendon's head. Like you could just tell he was, he was all over the place, whether it was the atmosphere, whatever it was, he just was not on it. And, you know, they kept talking, well, he's been hitting that pass all season. And I kept thinking to myself, well, can we get some credit for that? Like can't Georgia get credit for disrupting him and making him miss that throw? Cause he's not getting a step into it. Like he's been able to every other week. I also thought the defense set the tone early by stopping the run because we talked about this in the preview show. If that offense can't run, it doesn't set up what they want to do, and they just become, okay, we're going to run these deep option routes where we clip them if we're covered. It just felt like a house of cards that was ready to fall, and Georgia exposed them all day long. And for all the trash that was talked about, Georgia's quote-unquote suspect secondary, boy, they shut a lot of people up. And none more so than Javon Bullard. You talk about having a day. I mean, Javon Bullard played his ass off yesterday. And, yeah, man, I I thought they were great. But I agree with you. Keely was fantastic. I told you I was going to tell you the story. So my son had a soccer game in Savannah yesterday at 2 o'clock. So we drove down to Savannah for his game. Game's over at three. I told him we we're driving, in, hey, homie, when the game's over, you got to hop right back in the car so we can drive back. And I had toyed with the idea of just going completely dark on all my phone and everything and then watching it when I got home. But I was like, there's no chance that I can wait two hours, number one. And number two, <laughs> that I'm not going to like have to turn the phone on for something stupid, like to check a direction. And then I have seven texts telling me what's happening in the game. So I was like, I'm not going to take a chance. I download the CBS app. Pulled it, had it on cbs like in my pop socket thing on the <laughs> in the Seriously. air conditioner vent and i was watching it going down the highway so dude when stat drops back and hits arian i bout wrecked because i went insane in the car because not only was it a monster playwright but it was to my guy who i have been yeah. all year so he hit it and i was like <laughs> yes like the people driving beside me in traffic must have thought that i was on some type of medication i mean it was an absolute scene in the front seat of my vehicle so yeah so that was really funny i also let's talk about this sequence too which i thought was massive brett thorson the punter from Down oh wow with a 75 yeah. yard banger and then also Can we not leave out Nyland Green on that for busting balls and getting down in our coverage and making sure that thing made its way out of bounds instead of trickling in the end zone? So, unbelievable special teams play there. I mean, I think that's one of the undersold things of Kirby's entire tenure has been how they are such a three-phase team, top to bottom. Special teams was great yesterday. So, that sets Tennessee up at the one. Georgia is bringing pressure in the interior line. I thought Jalen Carter had a whale of a game yesterday. There was a point in the third quarter. I meant to grab a video of it forgot, didn't take a screenshot, but he made a play gets Tennessee off the field, walked over the sideline and he did the make it rain and said, pay me my money. So like he knew this was a big <laughs> stage for him and homie, he played like it. I mean, that is going to be great tape for him come spring, but he obviously has the big disruption there in the Whoa. end zone forces the fumble. And then, can we talk about the worst call possibly of the year
0: by the SEC officiating crew? How on earth was that not a safety? Well, there's two. I want, I want to back up real quick before we talk about that. I don't know if you knew this, but there were 11 NFL scouts at the building that day, yesterday. Oh, I did. On didn't. top of all the recruiting, I didn't know that. so that no, I that didn't was that. part of what part of what Carter's uh, money symbol was. So yeah. now we can talk about just the atrocious call. There were three options for that play. Three options for that play. There was incomplete pass down at the, or keep the play call what it was or safety. There yeah. were, and there were two options that were possible incomplete pass or safety. And they didn't choose that. They chose down at the half yard line. Nope. They yeah. chose the complete te- wrong one.
1: We texted about it. And I said, you know, it's bad when Gary is completely in the bag for being a safety and disagrees with the call. Like I, I could not believe it. It seemed about as obvious as possible. But you know who knows? Maybe it ended up being fortuitous because they end up getting the ball at the 37. They hit the ball to they hit, lad. Um, hit yeah. the ball to Ladd, which was beautiful and I thought kind of a putting the flag in the ground for the offense. Let, let's rewind a little bit. I want to go back to the first touchdown where Stet escapes pressure and runs it in for the touchdown and then immediately pops up and does my favorite celebration maybe ever given the circumstance, which for anybody who doesn't know Stets phone number got leaked and Tennessee fans were just bludgeoning him with calls. I think in a post game interview, he said he had somewhere between 600 to 700 calls. So as soon as he scores the touchdown, he pops up and drops the call me, call me celebration, which was electric. So that was one of my favorite moments from the whole game yesterday. And, homie, you could just tell he was on one yesterday. Like, he was swagged out, everything he did. Did you notice after – I can't remember if it was the first or second touchdown. He turned around and pointed at the Tennessee section in stadium. Did you notice that? Yeah. It might have been after the lad TV
0: That was a lad touchdown. So, down. I knew
1: I was like – I was like, oh, Stead is on his bullshit today. Like, he is <laughs> – he is on one. And, I mean, he was – he was about as good as you could be yesterday. Obviously, missed on that throw to Darnell on the first drive, which that was fortunate that the kid for Tennessee dropped the interception. But I thought that was really the only misfire he had all day. And no, I mean, I don't, I don't remember any yeah. others where he missed somebody. He was fired up that Dom no, missed the, that the, the,
0: route. Oh yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. That that I, I would say that's more on Dom than him. So, because yeah. Dom should have sat right in the zone, and yep. that's an easy, that's an easy first down if Dom just stops. And that pass to Marcus, whew, Ooh, man, that yeah. was a great throw. You yeah, couldn't have he, put that in a better spot.
1: The TD, the TD ball under the goalpost.
0: Yeah, that's what you are talking yeah, about. Yeah, under the goalpost. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, to put that there, I thought the coolest view they showed was the one from Stet's vantage point, the camera behind him. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually what? saw the trajectory he had to make the throw on? I, dude, it was unbelievable. And, hey, give Marcus his flowers, too. That oh, yeah. was a hell of a that catch, was a great brother. Catch. Yeah, I mean, at first, I, I couldn't see it. Obviously, I was driving in the car. I, also, I wouldn't advise watching a football game while you're driving in a vehicle, but you got to do what you got to <laughs> do, folks. Um, I thought it was Darnell. It reminded me of the play to Darnell in the SEC title game last year. where Hot I thought pass. it was kind of a, yeah, just a little jump ball, go get it. But it was better. I mean, that was that was something, man. And then I thought, too, to end the half, to end the first half, for them to drive down like they did, I know people were kind of wringing hands a little bit about the clock management. Oh, we could have had one more play X, Y, Z. But I got what they were doing. They were just trying to bleed clock and get points on the board. So I was fine with it. Um, and I think to g- get there and be whatever it ended up, what was that, 24-6 at twenty four. Yeah, I I thought that was a a big, big turn and momentum wise. And Jason Hasty had texted me. He said he said Tennessee had their heads down walking off the field like awful, awful body language. And I think it was that it was just a exclamation point on a half where they had just bludgeoned them. And yeah, it it was it just was (laughs) it was one of the cooler games to consume in a long, long time because of the stakes. Because of all the juice, because of the narrative. And then to come out and play like they played, it was it was something else, man. And can we talk about, too, and we'll just kind of hop around because we're obviously both excited about it and still have adrenaline. From yeah. it, but can we talk about the drive in the third quarter?
0: Oh, yeah. Drive Let's, of the year for me. Oh, by far. By far. That was my favorite drive of the entire game, hands down. That's, that's my type of football. <laughs> Big man football. In the rain, Big- in the pouring rain, I loved it. Did that not feel to you strategically
1: like the drive after the 80 touchdown in the national championship game when they get it back and just said, said, you know what, we're going to punch y'all in the mouth for the next 80 yards and shove it down your throat and do whatever
0: we want. That drive right there felt like every closing drive of every game last year. That felt like the drive to close out Clemson, Clemson yep. when the game game was closed. yep. That when Zeus ran over the guy at the end of the game, I mean, that felt like exactly like you were talking about the drive to, you know, basically break the will of the national championship before Brock uh, catches it right at the end and runs yep. it in for the screen. All those drives, like just, we're going to break your will. We're going to punch you in the mouth until we need to throw. And we're going to break your will run behind the big uglies. And I will say this. I was not exactly happy with it. Trust got hurt. Willick started and they were rotating Willick and Erickson at left guard. I don't know if you noticed that, but Willick played a hell of a game yesterday. When Erickson came in, Erickson still struggles run blocking, but when Willick's in there, they run the ball much more effectively. Willick played amazing yesterday.
1: I thought he was noticeable yesterday. Like, he, he could have been one of the unsung MVPs, I thought, of the game. I thought he was noticeable what he did on the interior of the line yesterday. I mean, it was it was outstanding. Can we also talk about defensively the game that Pop had? I thought
0: Pop was everywhere. I feel like it's becoming an every-week thing. I mean, he's turning into the Nakobe of this defense. I texted with somebody yesterday and had said
1: he is taking his place in the roquan Nakobe lineage, where he's just stepping in to take his yep. place. And I don't say that lightly, but I think it's justified. Pop has... He has become the type player that he – he if he does not get some postseason accolades, then people aren't watching. I mean, that's how good he is. And we both held our collective breaths when somebody got knocked into him and his knee went a little funny uh, at yeah. like the end of the third quarter. I think – I mean, just thank goodness
0: that worked out okay.
1: I'll tell you this too, man. I thought Michael Williams had a great game yesterday
0: too. No, he I played mean, well. He is, I mean, true freshman, he played well. He's going to be a dude. I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. played well when he came in after Beal got hurt. I mean, we're hoping that's not serious and Beal can come back. But um, he, you know, number seven on the defense, he played well when he had to come in there and fill that spot when they were rotating the three of them, Williams, Chambliss, and Beal. I mean, Williams, Chambliss, and Jones. All right,
1: so I want to hearken back to your boy's whiteboard that he gave you when we did our preview last week, okay? What did I say? I okay. said had to win the turnover battle, which we didn't do. But it was net. It was, net it was netty. It was It was two-two. So, you know, net, net even on that. To wash, I said had to control the clock. They did win the time of possession, thirty-one minutes to twenty-nine minutes. But I thought my push was is that they essentially took the air out of the football and kept Tennessee off the field, which I thought they did effectively all day, especially in the it
0: third quarter felt when like, it mattered. It felt like we had the ball a lot longer than that. I guess in the. In the, after the nine minute drive, it, I guess Tennessee had the ball longer than after that. Cause it felt like we had the ball, the majority of the game. Well, I, I thought the defense should
1: get a lot of credit. Cause what did we say too that? If Tennessee had to go be methodical and not get their pop plays, what would their offense yep. be? And I thought the, the, one of the drives, of the game was the field goal. They get the second field goal. They got when they went, it was like 11 plays, six and a half minutes. And all they got was three points and I remember thinking to myself, yeah, "Yeah, if we do this all game, this is just what we want to happen.
0: This is perfect." And I thought and they probably won't get man. that if they're not getting two penalties.
1: Exactly. Be realistic. Exactly. And then, what was the third thing I said? If they can limit Tennessee's run game, it will prevent Tennessee from doing what they do on offense. Tennessee had 94 rushing yards on 42 carries
0: yesterday. Two point two yards a carry. Two point two yards a carry. <laughs>
1: It was it was a masterpiece, dude. I, it it was just top to bottom. That coaching staff deserves all the flowers, man. I mean, they did. They had everybody ready. The players executed it. I thought it was really cool what Kirby said when Jenny asked him post game. You know, how do you feel about this? What did you guys do? And he said, "We have kids that love this program. We didn't take anybody out of the portal," which. I thought it was cool, man. I just thought that was a a cool summation of things. And also, what do we always say about Kirby? Anytime he speaks, it's got a message behind it. And that was a message for any kid across America that's thinking about coming to the University of Georgia. Hey, people don't transfer out of here because they love it here because we do everything right. So,
0: I (laughs) mean, he's always playing. If anyone's thinking about that, if anyone's thinking about that, all they got to do is ask him Marius Mims. Marius Mims put his name in the portal, took an official visit to the school he was. Everybody said he was going to transfer to, and then decided. To stay. And he yep. still, he's not a starter. He's getting playing time, but he's not a
1: starter. Yep. So, yeah, man, I, I thought the other one too. Let's talk about let's talk about the crowd. Let's talk about what Dog Nation did. Uh, Kirby said, I "If mean, you left and you still had a
0: voice, you didn't do enough." What did they have? Seven false starts yesterday. Seven pre-snap penalties. I think there were six false starts and one illegal motion. Illegal motion, yeah. That, that's right. That's exactly right. So, it, I felt
1: like it was justice for some of the snide oh, – well, maybe snide's the wrong word, but you could tell Heupel didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And then the stuff Eric Ainge said, and it was just a lot of, you know <sighs> – don't know, man. They were just so cocky and arrogant about all of it. And to see him come in and just implode on themselves. And Heupel looked helpless the whole game. Like, he just didn't know what the hell to do. And what did you say? I thought your key to the game was keen yesterday. Are they ready to be on this stage? And the answer was emphatic. No, No. Yep. Yep. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about that at halftime. I said, boy, Jimmy called that. I mean, that was right on the money. They were not ready for that stage, and we very much
0: were. And a lot – we're going to talk about both Twitter, but a lot of all fans are talking about how, you know, yes, they lost. They're back, yada, yada, yada. They still got shot at the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. But it's like this is a very veteran team. This is a lot of seniors on this team. Yeah. yeah. This isn't like this is – Freshman, sophomore, juniors. that has you know the number one recruiting class coming in behind it. Are they back? <laughs> Heupel's got, a, I mean, a good offense, a good scheme, but I'm not so sure he's going to put up points. That offense is going to put up points against deep against defenses that don't have dudes. But he's going to have to play Georgia every season. Georgia, well, he's going to to go through the East. Let, let's talk
1: about Tennessee and let's talk about what catapulted them into this stratosphere of oh they're elite and oh they should be number one in the cfp it was the alabama i mean there's no ifs ands or buts about it everybody used that as the marker that tennessee's back tennessee's real blah 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 and what did i text you after the game was that win an endorsement of tennessee or an indictment of alabama and i think given what happened in death valley last night the empirical evidence is more and more that it was probably just an indictment of Alabama. Like Alabama isn't what everybody thinks they are
0: this year. I think that's just plain. Alabama has become for the first time in Saban's tenure, their one guy on offense, one guy on defense, and 10 pairs of shoes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I won't say that. I don't think Jameer Gibbs is a pair of shoes. But. Well, okay, two, okay, two, two on offense then. Yeah, but they don't have us. They're not. They're not good in the trenches as a unit. They're not nope. good a, as a unit on the back end. I mean, I like Branch. I think Branch. I think individually, they've got some players that are going to be good at the next level. But as far as studs go, like you could look at Alabama from five years ago and find five first-round picks. You yeah. can't do that anymore. Yeah, that, this is not the Alabama of old.
1: It, it's interesting you say that. I can't remember if it was a Bruce Feldman article or I can't remember where I read it, but somebody wrote that that NFL scouts are used to going to Tuscaloosa and putting five first round grades on people on their roster, and that's just not real this year. It's just not something they have. And for me, I, look regardless of what he does, head coach, whatever it is, Nick Saban's a DB coach. And for their secondary to be as porous as it has been, tells you about all you need to know. And I can't remember if it was you and me that talked about this or if I was talking about this with my dad, but there's there comes a point where Saban goes from being legendary and every kid that comes there being in awe of him to kids that come there going, he's old. And I wonder if we've reached that point, if the enamor if kids aren't as enamored with him as they have been in the past, because they just felt different this year, like just haven't felt cohesive, haven't felt like a unit. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's been it's been weird to watch. And well, let's I, let's also can we not discount this, because I thought during the Tennessee game, I felt this way and I felt this way last night watching against LSU. Bryce Young is the real deal. Holyfield. That kid is so fun to watch that play. He made that play. He made on the touchdown pass last night at the end where he, Oh, where he like ducked out of four guys. Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable, man. I mean, that kid is a magician, so he's real. And he, by all accounts, seems to be just, you know, the kid that you want to take your daughter to the prom dance. You know what I mean? Like good kid. Seems like a good kid. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So easy to root for,
0: and I, I think you're. It's a great point, though. I just don't think he has the weapons to distribute to. Period. But you started to see the chinks in the armor last year a little bit. Yeah. But he had the weapons. But same thing. The trenches. You saw the line play was just not as good as it had been. And <laughs> when they went from you know the Derrick Henry teams to the Tua teams, they started focusing more on the skill positions and not on the line as much. Because Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, we're just going to change. We're going to change with the style of college football. And but you got to have a balance. And they don't have that anymore. Not not saying they can't get it back, but.
1: uh, Don't you feel like they were trying to catch lightning twice in a bottle? Just like the transfer portal. Yeah, with Jermaine Burton.
0: Oh, yeah. And and Jameer Gibbs. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs. he's a he's a running back, but he's really a wide receiver. Let's be realistic. He's much better out of the backfield catching the ball than he is between the tackles. What a uh
1: what a smart play by that kid too to get the hell out of Atlanta and put himself oh, on the platform no cuz I mean what what do you think his draft grade's done over the last 6 months?
0: Skyrocketed. It's gone from probably undrafted free agent or you know 6th 7th round pick, you know, before combine and testing and stuff to probably he's probably a late second, early third right now before testing, just from tape, just from when he's put on tape.
1: Yeah. Once they put him in the underwear and have him run all the tests and he drops like a four, like a four, four, one, (laughs) he'll be, he's probably, he's he's only one of the first man. Yeah. That's what I think. I I think he fits what they want to do in the NFL right now with splitting guys out and and getting on the edge and everything. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, dude, so let's, let's stay on this point with what happened in Death Valley last night. It now sets up where the Bayou Bengals control their destiny. So yep. barring something weird happening, which I'm not saying it won't because they have looked like Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, we're talking the same team that lost to Florida State. So let's just put that out there and got the doors blown off them by Tennessee on their home field. So, again, I'm not buying into LSU because they beat Alabama because of the things we've been talking about for the last five minutes, which is how big is that win, really, given what Alabama is this year. But, dude, that's that's who the dogs could see in Atlanta, is
0: that LSU team. And yeah, who would have picked that three months ago? Not me. No, not me either. And LSU, I don't really know what to make of them. I agree with you. They're very up and down. But... And and honestly, they don't scare me at all because Kelly's not a good postseason coach. He's a good regular season coach. And I think that they've shown improvement since the Tennessee blowout. And honestly, I'm not sure that game's a blowout if not for Kelly. Kelly made some dumb coaching decisions in er, in that first half of that game that cost them, I think, 20 points.
1: So They went for it seemingly on every single fourth down of the entire game. It was like we were watching the guy that used to coach high school in Arkansas. Like, no punts.
0: No punts. (laughs) Didn't matter where they were. And it, he just felt like they had to score on every possession, which you don't have to do. I mean, but he felt like they did. So yeah. that's neither here nor there. I, LSU, that that freshman linebacker they got, man, that kid. Whew, that kid's going to make some money in the NFL. Well, um, BJ, Hendricks, BJ's I think it's good name is, too. BJ's good too. No, I, I mean, Ojalari, yeah. Uh, Aziz's younger brother, yeah, he's really good. I, I mean, there was talk of him transferring um, last offseason too. I wish he would have, but. <laughs> can't root can't root from when he when he plays the dog i'll root from him when he's not playing the dogs but lsu just they'll go as far as Jaden daniels will take them and it's really what it yeah. boils down to and he's a running back who's got a cannon for an arm that's what he is to me and he made some games he makes spectacular plays and then he'll have turn around and make two just bonehead throws in a row and you're just like what were you thinking there
1: they're they're 2021 arkansas to me that, that's what i see all right no, you know I can see that. Keyshawn Butte is like, uh, Traylon, like Traylon Burks, Burks. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean, and in all honesty, I don't know that that Daniels is as effective a runner as KJ Jefferson because he's not as big. I thought that was the unique thing about KJ was his size, and yeah, I just look, man, I it's different questions when you're talking about these teams and their rosters against Georgia because of Georgia's roster and the reality yeah. is i just don't think they have enough offensive weapons to combat the depth and the weapons on Georgia's defense. So i that that game doesn't really make you nervous. And look man, i think this has been the crux of the Georgia narrative all season. Georgia's biggest opponent is Georgia. Yeah. If they if they come out and are locked in like they were in the opener, like they were in Columbia, South Carolina, like they were yesterday, Ain't nobody beating them. That's just a hard fact. That's not speculation. But if they come out and take somebody for granted and try to sleepwalk through something and think that the logo on the helmet is going to win in the football game, like Columbia, Missouri, you saw what happened. It could be tight. So, I mean, that's what it is for me. It's it's them. And I think Kirby kind of said that in a roundabout way all week. Is Look, if we take care of us, we're going to be all right. So, I mean, I, absent injuries, and l- let's, let's talk about this, too. Dude, AD's not even playing right now. I mean, yeah. you get him healthy, that gives you a whole other component of that offense. Plus, they went to Arian twice deep yesterday. If that's going to start becoming a thing now, I'm all in, baby. Because that gives them – I mean, those dynamic- are really the
0: first deep shots we've taken in weeks.
1: Weeks. And, boy, st- it, 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 that had to be a play they hit earmarked because it looked like he felt real confident stepping into that throw. Yeah. Like oh we've done this 30 times this week. And look good on both them. Perfect ball, great catch cuz that coverage was outstanding.
0: I couldn't believe he overthrew him on the second one. I couldn't either. I think he was so amped up. Well I mean he it, it was clear that he was kind of pissed in his post game press conference side when Jenny caught him on the sideline.
1: Yeah. Well, so we talked a little bit about this off air, but the line released today for the game in Starkville next weekend, dogs are 17 and a half point favorite to open it up. And you had told me that it was looking like it was going to be cold. And yeah, the high in Starkville Saturday is going to be 52. So it could be a little chilly on a Saturday evening game. I will talk about this later in the week, but, Initial impressions. It seems obviously like a lot of the shine has come off of this Mississippi State team. I think they were exposed a little bit with more physical teams, like like Mike Leach ten- teams tend to be. Yeah. Um, but still, it's Starkville on a Saturday night, and it's the ultimate trap game after what just happened in the atmosphere they just played in. So, you got any nerves about Saturday, or you feel pretty solid about it? You think that train is is moving steadily down the track?
0: The thing that makes me the most nervous about this is is the type of defense we're going to have to play in this. The secondary doesn't worry bother me at all, but we're not going to be – we're going to have to play with basically three down linemen, one outside linebacker, one inside linebacker, because we're going to have to play with five. We're going to play in a dime basically all game because of the style that they run. And basically, J.D.J. – Pop's going to have to play amazing because just like, you know, in 20 – 20 when we played them, when Nakobe played his butt off in that game. So it's just going to have to be the same style of game because they were running the ball against us pretty well in the first half until we adjusted. And then that's going to be the same style in this game. Pop's going to have yeah. to be all over the field because, I mean, with three down linemen and sometimes that outside linebacker is going to have to, you know, go out in coverage. It's just the way that the, their scheme is. We have the talent to dominate them up front. We're just not going to have the bodies. How about uh, – I texted you this,
1: but I was watching SEC football final this morning and they were showing the Mississippi State-Auburn highlights and Caleb Ducking, wide receiver for Mississippi State, scores a touchdown and Dari could <laughs> dropped maybe my favorite highlight reel of the season when he said, Caleb Ducking, Mr. Autocorrect. <laughs> I mean, that is world-class just absolutely spectacular So so funny. Uh, Yeah. Dari, that was, that was, that was outstanding. So, yeah. So I, I'm kind of with you, man. I just, the only thing that worries me is the letdown because they're 18 to 22 year old kids. So, I mean, I have a letdown. I like kind of, you have a little sigh of relief. Like we talked about, it was the first game in a long time where you felt like you kind of had to expend some energy going, we don't really know what's going to happen. You know, like this is kind of up in the air a little bit, which was fun. But I also think it's just natural to then go, right. Like it's human nature. Take a breath. Yeah. So, and it's tough, man. You know, like, although I will say this up until like two weeks ago, you could still buy tickets for that game off of the Mississippi state website. So how electric is that stadium actually going to be? I don't really know. I have the feeling that a lot of Georgia fans are going to be there because the tickets are so cheap. I mean, look, Starkville is a pain to get to, and it's not easy to get hotels and stuff there, but I just think because the tickets are so cheap, it might be a lot of red in that stadium. So it'll be – I mean, I'm happy to have a night game. I wish it was at Sanford, but that'll be cool to kind of get another night game. And, you know, I just – I don't think Mississippi State's got the Jimmys and Joes to really push the the card on that. So even the 17-and-a-half doesn't make me super jumpy. Given what we've seen from them all season, who else? Anybody else from yesterday? Where you're like, you know what? They didn't get really get a lot of shine in the post game or anything, but really had a big time ball
0: game. Kamari, he had a yeah. hell of a game too. But he had yeah. he had the type of game that the reason you didn't mention him because they didn't throw at him hardly ever, and because he just blanketed his guy. I wonder what his grade was tackling
1: yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. Just coming up and sticking people and none of this catch and we're going to get yak. It was just, yeah,
0: nope. That's it. You're done. Yep. No, he played – I mean, the entire secondary played great, but it's best when you don't ever mention a, a corner's name because, I mean, they're not throwing at you. You texted me a couple times about TID yesterday. I thought he had a big one, the Notorious TID. He did have a big game. I mean mm-hmm. – the play that I texted you after was the fumble, was the fumble recovery, which obviously Carter made the play on that. But there were several times where he was making first step penetration, and he was just getting in um, Hooker's face, and that's a big thing. Like, sorry to bring up Vol Twitter again, but Vault Twitter harped on our sack numbers so much. Yeah, have ten sacks, you just lost your best pass rusher. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, do you guys not know what pressure is? Do you guys not know what quarterback pressures are? or hurries. I mean, have you ever heard of that stat? We, lead the sec and then we're like fourth in the country um, before this game. So it's like, and we don't, we don't blitz. Um, Benjamin Watson said on sec final on sec network last night that going into the game on pass plays, Georgia only blitzed 23% of the time, yep. uh, 23% of the pass plays yesterday. We blitzed hooker 62% or something like that over 60% of his pass plays. So, bringing that extra pressure. Someone's coming free and up the middle best place to bring it because it just the quarterback can't step up into the throw and hooker known to get away because of his athleticism wasn't able to do that because he had someone in his face all the time. Biggest pass play of the day yesterday
1: for Tennessee was 28 yards. It looks like but that, by my,
0: by that was my at the end count, of the game.
1: Yeah. And it looks like by that was, my count, they only had something like six or seven plays of 10 yards or more I mean it was a it was a dominating performance Kenny I thought had a great game over 100 yards of total offense two catches for 57 obviously the big one on the wheel and then I thought he set the tone early with the running game and and look credit the offensive line on that I mean you and I probably could have got eight yards through the holes that there were to open the game it was it, them boys came out ready to prove a point yeah I mean it's interesting you could tell after they got up 21-3, it was like, okay, we're just going to sit on this thing now. We're not going to do anything stupid. Like, we're not going to make any mistakes. We're just going to do what we do, grind this bad boy out. And I thought that drive in the third quarter was pretty indicative of that. Jack had a good day. Perfect on field goals. I, I mean, he was good. It was just a good day, man. I mean, Brett Thorson – had the one shorter kick, but because of the 75 yarder, he averaged 50 yards a kick yesterday. So yeah, I don't know, man. It was, it was fun to watch. And I thought the defense probably played as well as a cohesive unit as they've played. I don't, they didn't really have numbers yesterday, but I thought that Ryan Davis, you saw zero a lot. Like I thought he was, had a good game yesterday. Um, I thought the D line played really well yesterday as a unit. I mean, just a lot. But yeah, dude, Malachi Starks had ten tackles yesterday.
0: <laughs> he was all over the place.
1: All over the place. I mean, they they just stepped up, and Jalen made himself some money yesterday. I thought Chaz Chambers held himself, held his own yesterday, stepping into some real big shoes. Played
0: so much better than he did against Florida. Shows yeah. what a week of preparation will do. You know.
1: Yep. I think that kid's gonna be a good player. He he looked good, and um,
0: I mean, he was one of your preseason guys. So
1: he was. I yeah, I kind of thought he would get more run, but man, it, that goes to show you how much trust they have in Robert and in Nolan. And yeah, I thought it. I thought it was cool too that Nolan was not only on the sideline yesterday, but wore Stetson's jersey on the sideline. Yeah,
0: that was yeah. awesome.
1: I thought that was cool. They said he gave a rousing pregame speech yesterday, which. That's awesome. I mean, you know, if you can say something bad about Nolan Smith, something wrong with you. Because by all accounts, he just seems like the definition of, of DGD. So good on him. And I'm glad he was involved in part of all that. Because I know that had to be crushing for him to have it end that way. It just kind of stinks. Um, what am I missing? What, are, what else have we texted about? Or what else was funny? How about Kirby postgame yesterday? That clip of him, like, kind of moving around and uh, yeah dude, that was funny I
0: acted a fool a little bit that was cool i mean really the the one thing we haven't talked about that that was the the jab to our neighbors down south and the when he was talking to jetty what the
1: two great two weeks of preparation
0: great two weeks of preparation yeah <laughs> so no, it's it like tough. it's just a subtle jab tough, tough, just a tough subtle one. jab yeah. Well,
1: great two weeks preparation. Yeah. I thought that was, thought that was good and well-placed. Did, uh, did you see that their song was um, I guess the theme song for the week was nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Mm, I didn't like, but that. The rotation. Yeah. Apparently that's what they blasted when they got in the locker room was. Yeah. So I thought that was neat. And I don't know, man, it, it was, it was a, it was a fun, fun game to consume a fun week to kind of consume and all the talk. And it really did feel like the eyes of the college football world were completely fixated on not just Georgia, but on Athens. And what a, what an advertisement yeah. for Kirby smart and Georgia football. And I thought the atmosphere in the stadium lived up to all that. I'm, I'm interested to talk to people that were there because I did see some pictures I don't know what the final number ended up being, but I saw at least one picture that showed the decibel level at 131 inside the stadium, which for an open-ended uh, stadium is massive.
0: Um, I think it got up to w- either 133.6 or 136.3. I, I know I saw a picture of that. I just can't remember which one it is. It's one of those two. Dude, that's like a that's like a fighter jet. Like that's
1: that's extremely loud. And yeah. Yeah, it w- I mean, you could tell. It, the atmosphere on television kind of came through your screen, yeah. I thought. And good on people for kind of embracing that rainy portion and almost making it – I thought it made it almost livelier,
0: like woke yeah, everybody yeah. back up. I feel like it, people went crazy.
1: Also, can we talk about the one screenshot yesterday where they showed the Tennessee fan section, like in the middle of the fourth quarter, and it's raining – And the guy looks like super sad, like he just blew his entire mortgage payment to go to Athens to watch his team get their ass beat. And he's wearing the poncho. And this just goes back to one of my life rules is that you just can't wear a poncho. I mean, there's just no way to look good or cool in a poncho. You just got to get wet, man. I mean, just, just embrace the rain. Nothing is worse than wearing a poncho. You just, you can't look good, man. So he just looked so sad. And then the poncho on top of that, just tough, tough look. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was a rough day for the Wolves. It really was R- rough. So rough day. several of them have, deleted their to accounts. Bunch. So, yeah, c-
1: couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. Yeah, really couldn't. Really couldn't. So, yeah, man, it was awesome. A lot of fun. And all paths now point to the dogs being back in Atlanta the first week in December. So, you just got to go take pair of business for three weeks, Stark, Vegas, Lexington, and then the bugs at home.
0: So, and I really think that unless there is a stumble before Atlanta, it really doesn't matter what happens in Atlanta. Again, I think that we're in the playoffs. I agree with that because
1: I think when you look at the field, the, the big 10 is going to be an elimination game. Yeah. So whoever loses Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, they have no marquee win, essentially, because their schedules both stink and the Big Ten stinks. So that's their calling card win is beating the other one. And then there's nothing to write home about and you wouldn't be a conference champion. So I think that's out. I've seen a lot of people in Tennessee today trying to convince themselves, talk themselves in that Tennessee could backdoor their way in, which I guess in Uh theory they could. But
0: I think Tennessee has a better shot than the big Ten loser of Michigan, Ohio State. I think Tennessee's shot though revolves around
1: LSU coming to Atlanta and beating Georgia. I think that's Tennessee's only chance, which in some ways is kind of kind of bad logic because if LSU beats Georgia, I think it sort of invalidates Tennessee's loss in some ways and yeah, The more Alabama looks like Alabama's looked, it kind of invalidates that marquee win. So then LSU becomes their marquee win, who lost to Florida State. I don't know. There's going to have to be a lot of things that happen. Because who do you see TCU losing to? Texas?
0: Uh, They're at Texas, at Baylor, home against. Who do they close against? Um, I don't see them losing to Texas. Texas, uh, I know they beat K-State. But I, I'm putting that K State loss on coaching. I don't play Adrian Martinez last week, coming off the injury. Yeah. Like I don't understand that. I know he's your starter, and you don't shouldn't lose your job. But that train is rolling with the way yeah. it was. You yep. just you keep it going until you need a reason to change it. So yep. I don't I don't put Adrian Martinez back in that spot. I don't think they lose to Texas Baylor in Waco. I think that could be a slip up for them. If they're going to lose one, that's the one I would predict. But I don't. I'm not saying they're going to lose. They just find ways to win. They're not pretty. They're not pretty at all. But they find ways to win.
1: What about one loss? Pac-12 champion Oregon, with their only loss being to the number one Georgia Bulldogs. In, don't you think?
0: I think a one loss Pac-12 team, whether it be Oregon or USC, that's gets in. In. That part, that's in. I think a one yeah. loss USC team gets in. I think undefeated um, TCU gets in. I can't. I'm not sure if a one loss conference champion. T. Uh, TCU. That that's the argument. One loss TCU conference champion versus one loss Tennessee. That's the argument. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because you got to figure it's going to be Georgia, one of Ohio State or Michigan.
0: Yeah. And
1: then uh, you know your Pac-12 one loss champion. Yes. And then I think then you're up for grabs becomes whatever TCU does, Michigan or Ohio State throws their card in in the ring for consideration and i the acc's out i mean they have nobody clemson clemson has no no they have no wins no chance nope no chance zero wins plus man just eye test they they they're They're bad they're bad yeah they're they're bad and so yeah it's kind of winnowing its way down to about six teams that are in the conversation so i yeah man i i don't know and It, it Let's be
0: honest. Well, if, so we, who, if you said we were talking here on November, what is the November 6th um, or 7th, that Alabama and Clemson weren't in that final six that we were still talking about for the college football playoff, I mean, <laughs> talk like the Twilight Zone at this point.
1: Yeah, 100%. And uh, what I'm interested in is let's say Oregon is one of the players, the committee can't put them back in Atlanta against Georgia at no. four. So they'll have to be no. two or three, which they're not going to be two if Ohio State or Michigan's undefeated. So I think that ends up being it'll be a Big three. Ten. Upon, it'll, it'll be like the Rose Bowl. It'll be Big Ten, Pac-12 in the two-three, and then Georgia gets yeah. either Tennessee on a neutral in Atlanta, or they get TCU on a neutral in Atlanta, or it's, or Michigan Ohio State. Everyone loses. Yeah, or one of the one monsters. So it, yeah, I, and none of that really scares me because that'll just be a home game going to Atlanta.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're definitely going to see how it plays out. Ohio State and Michigan. I, I do think that's an elimination game. I know they're going to try to say that if Ohio State loses, that Notre Dame's starting to look better after the win at Clemson, but Clemson stinks. Yeah. So I don't see, I don't see that. Um,
1: me neither. I, I really think that's an elimination game because of how bad the Big Ten's been.
0: You know, the only other team that they beat that was good, quote-unquote, is Penn State. And Penn State is not good. Yeah. Well, Penn State's indicting
1: loss is the Michigan one. I think they could have been deemed by the committee as more formidable, quote-unquote, if they hadn't got the doors blown off them in the big house because of how Damn. they played against Ohio state in happy Valley last weekend. But yeah. I, well, how'd we do this week on the picks? Do we, do we do well? We kind of got screwed on AM because the whole team got the flu. I feel like we should have got a mulligan on that.
0: Um, On the picks, we all went picked together. We did not do well. And then the two we picked opposite, I won both of those. So where did we go? Da, 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 da. We both had the dogs. We went three – you went three and seven. I went five and five. So we both took the Dogs. We both took the Jayhawks. We both took Kansas State. We both took Coastal. We both took Coastal. We both took Washington, who didn't cover. Didn't cover, yep. We took AM. What were the other games? Um, I, I took, took Alabama. I took, you
1: took I, LSU.
0: I took Notre Dame. You took Clemson. Those yep. are the two different I ones. Picked Clemson. Yep. Who were the other? Oh, Air Force didn't cover. Air Force didn't cover. They they we, we got six. hooked on that one. They won by yep. six. We got hooked on that one. What else did we have on that docket? Oh, we lost both ACC games. Or we both picked Wake. We both picked Wake. Yeah, Wake got the doors blown off. And that was surprising. Yeah, that was surprising.
1: Um, Was that it? Was that the full slate? We didn't have another game at the
0: 330 tips. Oh, Oklahoma State Kansas was three thirty. So we had yeah, Kansas. We had Kansas. So you're three Here's wins We're Kansas Coastal and. Um, oh, we do have to talk about that. I mean, I actually wrote this down. <laughs> did you see the shade that Kansas threw at I Tech- mean, oh, yeah, threw at Tennessee. No, what they say. The Kansas Twitter posted a a, a a picture today of the goalpost already replaced and said oh, no GoFundMe needed. I I did see that and it was a plus. I mean, that was slow, great. That g-
1: slow clap <laughs> for the Kansas Athletic Department social media because that was well, well done.
0: Uh, it had like a, picture, had, like a pic- at- had like a picture.
1: New new goal posts already yep. installed. Yeah, yeah, that was no GoFundMe. I did love that. Yeah, I did love that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: well, whoever I mean, runs they- that Twitter needs a raise. It's the it's the best sport in the world. It just never disappoints. I mean, it was it was a super fun weekend. Not just with the Georgia game, but I feel like all around college football, it was just a lot of fun. And man, we were, they were three three weeks till conference title weekend, which is crazy. So I know, yeah, brother, we're we're tumbling that way. So working on getting a guest for this week, and uh, working on getting one for the Kentucky game too. So we'll hopefully, I have some guests in the mix. Just kind of riding high. It's a it's victory Sunday, baby. Yep. Well, um, all right. We'll talk again later in the week for the preview. But uh, until then, go dogs, sick Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.